Imagine that Pontius Pilate had been interviewed by a newspaper reporter on Good Friday, right after he condemned Jesus to death. Presuming for a moment that they had newspapers back then, which of course they didn't, you have to use your imagination here. If the reporter had asked him on that day, why? Why did you do it, Pilate? Why did you condemn Jesus of Nazareth to death, even though you knew, you knew he was innocent, that he was innocent of the charges they had brought against him? If Pilate had been asked that, how do you think he would have responded? I'll tell you how I think he would have responded. I think he would have said, Oh yes, I know that Jesus of Nazareth was innocent. I have no doubt about that. The chief priests and the leaders of the Jews, the religious leaders, came to me and accused Jesus of being a political revolutionary and a threat to Caesar. But I could tell right away that this man was no threat. He had no political aspirations whatsoever. He was a little delusional, yes. He spoke about having a kingdom in some other world. But it's no crime to be delusional. Now, in most cases like this, I would let the prisoner go free immediately. But Jesus' case was different. In this particular situation, given the circumstances, I think it was right to do what I did. Sure, I killed an innocent man, I know that. But there are times when killing the innocent can be the right course of action. Think about it. The people were ready to riot in the streets. If that had happened, I would have ordered my soldiers to get the crowd under control, and probably a number of people would have died in the process. Or at least many people would have been seriously injured. So my act of condemning Jesus to death as regrettable as it was, probably saved many lives. And not only that, because I gave the crowd what they wanted, they, they now have a much higher respect for me, and for my office, and for my authority as procurator. Even though I'm a Roman, a foreigner, a Gentile, the Jews will probably think of me in a much more positive way in the future. Those are all good things that have come about because of the death of one innocent man named Jesus. So it was well worth it. Pontius Pilate, my brothers and sisters, was what we would call a moral relativist. Moral relativist is somebody who believes that, as the old saying goes, everything is relative. In other words, there's nothing that's always right, there's nothing that's always wrong, there's no such thing as objective moral truth. This is precisely the way Pilate thought, which is why when Jesus said to him, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice, he responded by saying, truth? What is that? For the relativists, right and wrong are determined by circumstances, or feelings, or personal preference, or some other subjective criterion. For the relativists, what's right for one person might not be right for somebody else. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI was very vocal in his condemnation of moral relativism during his pontificate, as all our recent popes have been. Even while he was still a cardinal, Benedict called relativism the greatest problem of our time. And he was not exaggerating. 
Then in 2005, after he became Pope, he said, and I quote, Relativism, which recognizes nothing as definitive, leaves as the ultimate criterion only the self with its desires. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a prescription for conflict and for disaster in families and everywhere else in society. Because it means that each person thinks that he or she should be able to live by his or her own rules. Can you imagine a family where everybody lives by their own rules? Can you imagine a country where everybody lives by their own rules? Well, you might not have to imagine that, because in the near future, that kind of country, that kind of world, might become a reality. It might become a reality very quickly, unless we do something about it. I hope you realize, I hope it's not news to anyone, that our civil government right now is being run to a great extent by moral relativists of both parties and of no party affiliation, so-called independents. Some of these people call themselves Christian and Catholic, but they support policies and laws that show a greater inner allegiance to moral relativism than to Catholicism and Christianity and to Jesus. You know the people I'm talking about, the ones who say, oh yes, I'm personally opposed to that, but I can't impose my morality on anybody else. Or they say, I'm a Catholic, I'm a good Catholic, I'm a devout Catholic, but I don't believe this, that, or the other thing that the Church teaches. Believe me, my brothers and sisters, Pontius Pilate would be extremely proud of these politicians because those are precisely the kinds of things he would say. Yes, I am personally opposed to the death of Jesus of Nazareth, but I can't impose my belief on this angry crowd that's in front of me. Oh yes, I'm the Roman procurator. I'm supposed to make sure justice is done, but in this case, I think it's okay to dispense with justice. Why not? See, a relativistic world is a very dangerous world. Because since there are no universal moral laws, evil people will very often go unpunished. Sometimes they will even be rewarded. And good people will be condemned. Just like Jesus. By the way, as far as I'm concerned, moral relativism can be very easily refuted can be refuted with one simple question. If ever you encounter a relativist who says to you, you know, there's nothing that's always right, there's nothing that's always wrong, there's no such thing as objective moral truth, it's all relative, say to that person, okay, answer me one little question, one simple question. When would it be morally permissible to rape a child? You've just told me that there are no moral absolutes. Everything depends on circumstances. Well, all right, tell me, under what circumstances would that behavior be morally acceptable? Unless you're having a conversation with a mentally deranged individual, this should help the other person to see there's at least one universal moral norm. Of course, if there's one universal moral norm, why can't there be many? Why can't there be others? Chris Stefanik, who speaks to teenagers all over the country, 
has written a great little book, booklet actually, entitled Absolute Relativism, the New Dictatorship, and What to Do About It. In this booklet, he lists eight bad effects of relativistic thinking. I'll conclude my homily by sharing these with you. Bad effect number one, he says, relativism robs us of a sense of meaning. We all need meaning in life. But this should be obvious. If there's no right and no wrong, then it doesn't matter what we do here on this earth. Thus, there can be no ultimate consequences to our good or evil behavior. So life is essentially meaningless. Do what you want. Bad effect number two, relativism leaves us with no criterion for moral decision-making except personal taste. Bad effect number three, relativism deprives children of formation. So you can't teach your children right from wrong if there's nothing that's subjectively right and nothing that's subjectively wrong. You can teach them your opinion, but that's about it. Bad effect number four, relativism separates us from one another. As I said earlier, if we each do our own thing, we will be in constant conflict with one another. Bad effect number five, relativism undermines the right to life. The example of Pilate's condemnation of Jesus shows us that clearly. As a relativist, Pontius Pilate had no problem whatsoever robbing an innocent man of his right to life. No problem at all. It was easy. Number six, relativism makes it easy for those in authority to manipulate others. Remember the HHS mandate? The little sisters of the poor do. You can be sure of that. That was government coercion at its worst. Government manipulation of people at its worst. Number seven, relativism puts the freedom of speech under attack. See, if those in power decide that you should not be allowed to voice your opinion, that will be the law. There will be no arguing against it, because right and wrong are subjective. Just ask the people at Twitter about that. They're experts at that one. And finally, relativism destroys faith. That all should be, also should be obvious. After all, if nothing about God is objectively true, then the whole basis of our religious practice goes right out the window. So my message to you, my brothers and sisters, today is very simple. Learn to recognize relativism and learn to resist it, actively resist it. And teach your children and your grandchildren and your siblings and your friends and your co-workers to do the same thing. For their own sakes. And for the survival of our country.